if you work full time and you keep your nose to the grindstone, you work really hard, you can make a living and it averages anywhere from 35 to $75,000 a year if you work full time, but it's not going to be nine to five. Hey guys, I'm here today with Charlesy, who is a photographer. Before I even began this podcast, I asked friends and coworkers what were some of the professionals that they were interested in hearing from. And Charlesy, I didn't tell you this, but photographer came up more than once. So you are fulfilling a need right off the bat. So I'm really excited about this podcast. Thank you so much for doing the show. I'm so excited to be here. And I have to tell you, I love this idea. I wish this was around whenever I was figuring out my careers. And I've actually been listening to your show and I've actually gotten tidbits that deal with my career, even though it was a different subject. So everybody needs to go through and listen to all of them because they're they're great. Just for the audience to kind of catch up, you are the first interview that I'm doing since I've actually released episodes. All of my others have been recorded before anybody had any kind of idea. So it's nice to get, I guess, kudos from a guest. <laughs> They're great. They're great. Awesome. All right, Charlesy, let's jump into this. So you're a photographer. Do you do this full-time? Are you self-employed? Kind of walk us through how you got into this whole thing. Well, I am self-employed and I would consider myself part-time, but that's definitely something that you could question because I feel like I definitely put in 40 to 60 hour weeks some weeks, but it just depends on the week. Yeah. So how long have you been doing it? Did you start many years ago? Did you start your business at a specific time or is it freelance? What, what does that look like? I've officially been a photographer for five years. I've always had a camera on me. I have pictures from like junior high. I was like the only, like looking back, I was the only kid who was bringing their picture and taking pictures in the hallway in like seventh grade, but I thought it was the thing to do. So I've always taken um, photography very seriously. I've always enjoyed it, but I didn't start it as a business until five years ago. Gotcha. What led you into starting it as a business? Just realizing, hey, I, maybe I should make some money off of this or did somebody approach you? That's such a great story because um, I'd always take pictures of my family. I'd, I'd go to soccer games. I'd take pictures of other kids and sit them with their moms if they didn't have a camera. And I had a lady say, hey, could you take my daughter's senior pictures? I'm like, sure, I'll, you know, I'll do that. That sounds like fun. I didn't charge for it. We had, we had a great day and sent her pictures. And then probably about a year later, she goes, um, I was planning to go to her daughter's wedding and she's like, would you mind bringing your camera when you come to the wedding, taking some pictures? I'm like, sure. I was in the audience sitting there before I realized I was the photographer for the wedding. Oh, I thought wow. I was just going to take extra pictures and the realization that nobody else was taking pictures. And so I got up and kind of started sneaking around, started taking pictures and she loved it. And she sent me like a gift certificate for a massage. And I think that's kind of what started the whole, maybe I need to start taking this a little more seriously. So yeah, I feel like I stumbled into it. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you still mostly take school photos, headshots? What kind of photos do you take? I love doing family photography. I love doing the seniors. I love small weddings. I don't do a second shooter with the videographer for the big, big weddings. I don't do that. But I will do the smaller family weddings out in somebody's, you know, we have a couple of neat barns around here that people, smaller venues. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. That's good. So you kind of told me a little bit about how, yeah, somebody kind of approached you and that's how you got into it. What do you think is the best way to start? Somebody assuming, you know, they, they like taking pictures. They probably have a camera. They've probably been dabbling. That's usually how it, I would imagine it starts. Then they're looking to make this into a business. How would you start that for somebody who's just looking to get into it? 
That's a great question. I feel like the thing that most photographers are missing when they start is they really need to know more than just taking snapshots with a camera. If you're shooting on auto and you don't understand manual, then the first thing you need to do is learn how to use that camera. Really understand what all the, all the knobs mean, all the buttons mean, and really understand the art of photography. That's your first step. And then from there, just take pictures everywhere you go. Like I shared pictures at soccer games. I, I was known as the girl with the camera years before. And I think that's just a, a good way to get started. Just start taking pictures. Um, have friends and do free photo shoots to kind of build your portfolio is a great way to get started. But if you don't understand how to shoot manual, that is your number one job is to understand your camera. How do you build those skills? Do you take classes online? Do you find somebody who already does it? Do you just mess around until you get good? What does that look like? I wish I had talked to someone this exact question. There is what you should do and there's what I did. I did it the really hard, hard way. Um, I tend to be a little bit on the frugal side. And I'm like, I'm not spending money on classes. I'm going to, everybody tells me I'm wonderful. You know, it's my yeah. mom. You know, and so I would do YouTube searches, I would do the Pinterest looks, and not realizing how, you know, how two pictures could look very similar, and one's quality professional, and one is missing the mark. And it's one of the things, unless you're professional, you don't understand the nuances between the differences. And so my recommendation for someone wanting to get into it is to do a course. There's some free ones out there. I'm actually launching a course because I was so frustrated about the learning process. I felt like it was either, you know, how to be a six-figure wedding photographer yeah. or you know, something really, really small. And I wanted to know the big picture. And so of how to just get started, how to get to know your camera for the everyday person that was, because there's a lot of new vocabulary words and a lot of technique. It's very complicated, but it needs to be, you know, down to the everyday person's level, at least for me, you know, I love that thread on Reddit. Explain it to me like I'm five. You know, yes, kind of I love those. I, I find, I actually go on Reddit all the time for those kinds of explanations. They're really helpful. So yeah, maybe start there. I'm, I know that there's a photography Reddit. Um, I would imagine that there's some really good, good tips there too. But I spent so much time piecemealing and spinning my wheels that I could have moved years ahead had I just nailed it down, bought a course, and focused on learning those basic skills. And I didn't even know the questions to ask. Yeah, uh, I just knew that I like taking pictures, not realizing there was such a big difference between snapshots and pre professional photography. Yeah. Going back in your mind when you were first starting, what questions did you have, if you can remember? Oh, that's, that's so good. I really just wanted to make it look good. I was thinking, okay, it's, I thought it was all about posing, how to make them turn their head. And, and, and that is a big part of it, how to get the light right and how to do all this. Uh, what I didn't understand is, you know, the difference between, you know, the rebel camera, entry level camera versus professional camera, what, the, what even the differences were. I just typed in, what is a professional good camera? Yep. <laughs> And spent thousands and thousands of dollars not knowing that there was a lot of things I still needed to learn on my, the rebel that I started out with. 
Yeah. I think one just general tip and advice that I would have is when you're making those big purchases in equipment or investing in anything like that, yes, do Google research, do that. But then also if you can find somebody that's doing something similar to what you're doing and compare notes, ask them, Hey, I'm thinking about getting this such and such camera. Is that a good camera for what I'm trying to do? And getting the opinion of somebody who's a professional already might save you thousands of dollars and might end up with much better pictures. Absolutely. People ask me all the time, I'm trying to get a camera for my daughter for Christmas. And so there's a lot of questions. They're not like, well, you need this camera. Um, What's your budget like? What are you planning to move forward to? Or is this going to be, you know, something that you're planning to use for 40 years? Or, you know, are you open to upgrading every two or three years? Yeah. I mean, there's so many questions to ask. So let's, Let's kind of shift gears just a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about what a week in your life looks like, or even just a specific day. This is really the focus of the show. I feel like I know you said that you are kind of part-time, but then you sometimes work 40, 60 hour weeks. Walk us through, obviously we know a photographer is taking pictures. That's the gist of the job, but walk us through all the other stuff too, that you do in a day. There's the things that the clients see. I show up in my forerunner and I and someone's pasture and I take photographs with beautiful families and I go home and they think that's the end of my day. But that's pretty much where my day begins. <laughs> yeah. The editing process on the professional level is much more in depth than like what would you know would be a snapshot. There's different philosophies on Photoshop. And I was going to warn you, everything I say is my opinion. And, you know, if there's like a comment section on YouTube, everybody has different opinions and everybody thinks that their opinion is, you know, truth and life and the only way it should go. And there's a lot of different opinions. Um, I don't do a whole lot of Photoshopping. I always tell my clients, and this is important. I talk to my clients and go, Hmm. here's my rule. I only change something if it's going to be different in two years. So if there's a blemish or like I had the cutest little cowgirl had a giant bruise on her calf and she's wearing a cute little skirt, I'm going to take out a bruise. If there's like a little, you know, blemish on the skin, I'm not one to like change someone's hair color or make them look 30 pounds smaller or do a lot of that kind of thing. And so if that's what they're looking for, if we have a a 55 year old lady who's loves suntanning and she wants every wrinkle gone, I'm not the girl for her. And so I've learned to be upfront with, you know, this is what I do. Is this, are we, are we a good fit? So, but I do go over and if there's any kind of details that I can clean up and make it look sharper and brighter, maybe pull up shadows and every photo is touched and improved to where it looks its best without it not looking like something that they didn't have in the first place. So, yeah. How much, so you said your day kind of starts after you've taken the photos you, and you kind of do not bare minimum in editing, but Again, you said, if it's not going to be different in two years, we're probably not going to touch it. How long does that take you to edit at that level? Yeah, it depends on the shoot itself. And a lot of it depends on the lighting. If I'm shooting and it's getting really, really dark, I do spend a lot of time making it look brighter, bringing out the sunsets and things like that, because there's certain exposures where you can't see the the beautiful sky because it's so dark. And so just because I want it to look like they remembered doesn't mean that's what it necessarily looks like on camera. And so there's, there's that. Um, if it's a wedding, I usually take four to 600 pictures at a wedding. And so I'm having to call through and I have two cameras. And so I have to get them in 
chronological order in the natural deal black and white. And I do spend a little bit more time on a bride's face <laughs> than I would my average, on my average client. So I would probably, ah, gosh, that's a great question. I would probably spend at least as much time editing as I do um, with the client at least. And then for me, this is kind of a specific just for me, but I live in the rural, a rural community and I live outside of the city limits and we don't have access to really good Wi-Fi. You would think that that would not be an issue. And I was trying to load 800 images the other day and it was like, it'll be 14 hours. Oh my gosh. I, I, I wanted to cry and I and I got them out of order and I had to start all over again a couple of times. So I ended up putting them on a thumb drive, called my friend. I'm like, can I use your guest room? And she let it, it, it took four. 48 minutes. So, yeah. so those are the kind of, <laughs> those are things not everybody deals with, but that's what I'm dealing with. Yeah. So besides editing, besides taking pictures, what else takes up your time? What surprised me the most is how little I spend taking photographs. This is something that people really need to consider before they go from, I love taking pictures to what does it look like being a photographer? I'll run, I ran into a friend the other day going, oh, I need to do a 60th birthday shoot for my daughter. Well, we were in passing. So I need to text her and follow up. Hey, do we, so what's your calendar look like? And it's back and forth texting. I need to send some invoices out. I need to update my website. The little things like that are the bane of my existence. Constantly, any kind of purchases I make, I need to make sure I have it for tax purposes, making sure all those the paperwork's done in time. And then now the importance of social media. It's so important to have a social media presence. I don't want to spend all day, you know, posting yeah. <laughs> about yeah, but I have to, I have to. And that's how people know that I am in business. That's the way business is done these days. And so I have to show, this is what I do. And let's, so people can see, is this someone who has the look that I'm looking for? And so that's not what I want to do. That's not the joy of my heart, but that's part of the nitty gritty of doing the job. Yeah. So part-time, obviously when you own your own business, like you said, some days or some weeks you might be working four hours, some weeks it might be 60 hours. Walk me through like, what would a part-time where you're making a, a decent part-time income look like? How many hours a week would that take? Like, let's say, let's say you shoot not a wedding, but let's say you're doing some senior pictures and something else. How, how much time I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get somebody to have a sense of like what all goes into that week in order to have a finished product and get paid and you feel good about your week. Absolutely. I, I try to, I try to shoot for having at least one shoot a week, whether it's a, a small wedding, a small family shoot, a, a senior shoot. I try to have at least one thing on my books every week. That's a good general rule of thumb. That's a good way to go. Now, some people have a whole different, like I just do family portraiture. I just do, you know, local weddings. Some people are wedding photographers. And so they're flying out to Cancun. They're flying off to California. They're doing these big things. And so their week's going to look completely different than mine. They're, they've got a second photographer. They've got videographer. They've got a lot going on. Some people do wildlife photography. So you kind of got to figure out what do you like taking pictures of? People that love to hike, they can do great wild, uh, great landscape photographs. And they can do great wildlife that they're trying to find the elusive fox that grows in Montana or whatever. I mean, there's so many different things to do. And so, uh, but for me, I spend a good portion of my morning. Uh, I get up early and try to do like the must, must haves. But I try to have it scheduled out the way 
nothing gets lost. And so I have a to-do list of what I've got to get done, what I want to get done, and on what would make my day if it got done. And, and so I will spend a couple hours doing this, then I'll go take care of my family for a couple hours, and I'll come back and do 30 minutes in the waiting room of checking out my social media. And so it's not going to my office and working from here to here. Yeah. It's, throughout, it's throughout the day. It's as I go. I'm having dinner with my family, and somebody comes over, and they're a friend of mine. We hug. We say hi. She wants images. I have to make a note. Call her back, you know? Yeah. And so um, it's very entwined in my life. And yep. so I, I'm never off the clock, but I love what I do so much that I don't really ever feel like I'm on the clock unless I'm in the, what my son calls the editing dungeon. She's in, <laughs> she's in the editing dungeon. Love you know, it. She's got to get that wedding done. Yeah. As a, as a small business owner, I think that that's a very typical story. You don't have set hours. You're oftentimes communicating with different clients back and forth. You know, you're, you may text them promptly at 9am in the morning, but you don't hear back until Tuesday, the next week. And then that's when you got to respond. The nice side of that is it sounds like it really is possible for this to maybe be a side hustle for a mom or somebody with a family like yourself. And, you know, I think a lot of people are looking for opportunities that work with their life where they can have a family and can still make an income and sometimes maybe even a good income. If, if you really develop your skills and, you know, let, let's actually, let's bring that up since I brought it up. Let's talk about the income piece. What do you think is, is realistic kind of on the low end of part-time and then what's possible for somebody who's really going for it? Once you've got basic skills down and you're doing decent images, we got to get that out there. There's a lot of garbage out there. So once you know what you're doing, an average photographer makes anywhere from $150 to $300 an hour. And so that's going to change if you're doing a wedding. Your weddings run anywhere from one to $3,000 an hour. But that's because you're taking the whole day. And there's usually, you know, leather albums that come with that and what have you. And a lot more editing at the on the back end, I would imagine a lot more editing and a lot more packaging and things like that. So what I would suggest to people is you kind of figure out what you want and then there's different paths to get there. And so if you're wanting to, I want to support myself. I want to be full-time. I want to do this before I have children. I'm going to, you know, this is going to be my 40 hour. Then you need to, you know, take the classes and knuckle down and you're going to have to front load a lot of unpaid work at the beginning that will pay off later. Just like being a lawyer or a doctor, you're going to work, 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 work and not get paid. And then you're going to see the benefits of all the skills that you've built. And so it just depends on how much you're willing to work and how much you're willing to invest. So if you get a entry-level camera and practice on it, I would not recommend charging. I don't know of any professional photographer that doesn't have a full-frame camera, a professional camera versus an entry-level camera. I'm needing to upgrade my gear right now for the camera body in one lens. I'm at easy $8,000 yeah. before tax. Yeah, before taxes and all wow. of that. And so there's a lot of finances. Um, I've got to pay my website every single month. I've got editing software every single month. There's just a lot of monthly expenses that I've, I've got to cover. And so you can easily lose money if you're not careful in the long run. And so you need to make sure that you're looking at the whole picture and hustling and trying to get your name out there and connecting with people and marketing to get the names and the numbers that you need. Cause it's really a numbers game. You've really just yep. got to let people know what you're doing. You've got to know your skills and um, a hard work pays off. Yeah. That leads in literally into my next question. I was going to ask, how do you break in in terms of you you kind of mentioned at the beginning you didn't really charge for the first few things as you were building your skills do you think that's the best way to go about it just hey 
let everybody know I'm free to take pictures. I'm building a portfolio and I am willing to do some unpaid labor to get my name out there. And then that's how you build a business. Or would you go a different route? I would not put a blanket statement out there on Facebook. I am trying to build my business. I'm doing 12 free photo shoots because you know people will like, oh, she's new and she's free. So I would just start building. I would, what I personally did and what worked for me is I would call somebody that I cared about. A business person that I knew that on a completely different field says, you know, I choose my ministries. My ministries don't choose me. And so I found people that I thought poured back into the community a lot. Um, a lot of people that I thought were doing great things. And so I would do a shoot for that family and going, I wanted to thank you. Da, 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 da. And I'm building my portfolio. This would be great. You can be my portfolio. But I, I, I saw it as a way to combine it with my life philosophy. And that's give back to your community give and share as much as you can. And so I found people that I thought would be blessed by it and encouraged by it. And so that's kind of how I went about it. A problem that I quickly ran into though, is people were coming to me and this is a really common problem. People like, Hey, you do photography. Can I have a free shoot? And people don't realize if I'm spending, you know, what, what they think, Oh, I want, I want one picture. (laughs) Well, they don't realize I'm having to drive to them. I'm having to put wear and tear on my gear. A lot of people don't realize that cameras have X amount of shots that will count. So there's like 150 accusations, basically 150 shots before it's considered you need new gear and it's about to break down. Is that always true? No, but um, that's the expectation of the life expectancy of a camera. And so if I'm shooting every single week, free things, it takes away from my family. It takes away from my studying for classes it takes away from and for something to take me away from my family it's got to be important one thing that I started doing is whenever someone say I'd love to do a shoot with you I would tell them the full price and if it's now if it's my brother or if it's my best friend obviously I'm not going to charge them but if it's somebody that I have an acquaintance with that I might consider doing a discount or even a free shoot for um, I tell them up and to um, the shoot um, it's x amount of dollars and when it's time to pay, then I'm like, I would love to give this to you. That lets me know that they have value in what I do. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of times, the biggest problems I've had, the clients that I've had biggest problems were with, were people that I was doing it for free. And I think part of that is they didn't, they didn't value it. They didn't value it. Yeah. So my next question is, how has the COVID pandemic and even technological changes affected the industry as a whole? The pandemic absolutely affected the entire industry. Um, I felt like I had built up my business where I was consistently getting bookings. And then overnight, it's, you know, high dollar weddings canceled. All my senior shoots canceled. Wow. So I went a year with zero income from photo shoots. Luckily, I had a side job that I was able to supplement and up that income, but it drastically affected a lot of photographers. And and some are predicting that it won't ever come back to the way it was with the advent of cell phone technology. And and that's been coming up for a while. We have access to pictures much more readily than we ever have in the past. Yeah. But what I think we're still in a time of, you know, like we're new and we're still figuring it all out. I honestly, and I'm not the only one who thinks this in the industry, it's it's changing and it's pivoting, but I don't think it's dire. I think the end is here for the Olin Mills church directory kind of posed, you know, packaging photos. I think that's gone. But 
everybody's online now. And so what a lot of photographers aren't realizing is we're hitting the ground floor of what I think could be one of the most exciting times in the industry. People are needing headshots that never needed headshots before. Businesses are needing pictures of the products like never before. People that are having, you know, small based businesses are blowing up. You know, people are leaving that corporate world and they're starting their own businesses and people are wanting to have their own websites. And so it's changing. Um, and there's definitely been a dip since the pandemic. But I think that it's just opening up a whole new um, exciting time for our industry. So you just learn to got to pivot with it and hustle and make it happen. But you just have to be flexible and move. You can't do business the way we used to do. Any tips on differentiating yourself or getting that business when it's kind of gone down a little bit? Absolutely. I think just being consistent and being persistent, you've got to absolutely not give up. You've got to keep pushing to increase your levels. You've got to keep putting yourself out there and meeting people and greeting people. I think my biggest shortcoming was it was a hobby that I turned around and found out it was a business one day. Yeah. I think Reading books on business would be very helpful. Um, working on studying truly how to market in this time is very, very helpful. You can't just put out the placard outside the brick and mortar building anymore like we used to could. So you really have to know how to market with people and reach out to people. Yeah. Like you said, I think social media is becoming the bread and butter of businesses like these. I would imagine that your portfolio matters too, because that's the first thing that people are going to check when they, if they don't already know you and have a personal relationship, they're going to see, well, how good are her photos? What does she take? You know, and, and I know that that's how I shop when I'm looking for things. And so I would just kind of extrapolate that to everybody else and think, yeah, your social media presence probably has to be good, or at least have a nice enough website that they can see the quality of your work as well. Absolutely. You've got to have Instagram. You've got to have a website. Instagram, I think, has been very huge. Just because, Even though I'm not getting, you know, 10,000 likes on any of my photos, whenever people meet me, they're going to go flip through and say, well, what is her work like? Yeah. And you're going to see, you know, family, family, wedding, national park, my dog, my dog, my dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I think it's very easy to just become too hyper-focused in work. We talk about that work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And so I try very hard to just let my clients see me for who I am. And that is me and my dog. (laughs) So I've got the world's greatest dog. He's very photogenic, but I think that's just important. One last question kind of on the business side of things. This just popped into my head. I think most photographers that I know of are self-employed or maybe they'll partner up with other photographers for, for a shoot here and there. Is there ever really an opportunity to become like a staff photographer or is there a way to not have to own a business in order to be a photographer or does that kind of come baked in with it? Absolutely. There are a few industries where you have to have the college degree and education in photography field. And I'm trying to remember what they were. One of them is like, has to do with like medical photography. So there's a couple of little niche places that you can do it. Um, There's also like a newspaper photographer, but you usually have to be photographer slash journalist, or there are a few, um, if you hone your skills when you're young and you hustle, I mean, you can always work for Vogue and these, you know, these wonderful places. You know, the dream job for me is working for, you know, National Geographic, but even a lot of those guys are still, a lot of them are freelance but it just depends. Some people actually, when you work for Canon, a lot of different jobs out there, but yes, most of them are freelance and own your own business. There's very few, you yeah. know. Charlesy, what's the hardest part of your job? 
uh, for me personally, that there just isn't enough time to do all the things I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do more on my marketing. I want to do more um, studying and education. I want to spend more time with my family. I want to do more cooking. I just, I think life is so full and so exciting and there's so, it's so wonderful. I just don't have time to stuff it all in my day. And so having to say, if I say yes to this, I have to say no to something else. And so that to me, that's the hardest part because I love going and doing and learning um, but sometimes you just have to say, oh, I got to go do the paperwork. I don't want to, yeah, I want to go see Top Gun again with my friends or whatever. But Yeah. And then, so on the flip side, I like to ask this question too. What's the best part of your job? What do you love the most? Oh, I love this question. My favorite part of my job is that people let you into part of their lives. So whenever I'm doing a family shoot, I see the things that not everybody else shoots. I see the five-year-old having a meltdown and not, you know, crying and mom trying to get the kids to smile and get dad not being grumpy or whatever. And so you see, you know, what their real life looks like. Like after a wedding, we always sneak off and I do a little mini shoot of their first alone time as a husband and wife. So it's their first few minutes alone as a husband and wife. And I'm there documenting it. I'm there without, without their mother without their best friends. It's just them and me. And I'm getting to photograph their first minutes alone. I, I think it's amazing. And it's such yeah. an honor. It's such an honor. And, and so I, I think it's awesome. Sometimes I see the kind of ugly side of family drama. I always have to ask, is there very politely, but is there any family drama I need to be aware of? Is it's a good so-and-so question not, to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So-and-so not talking to so-and-so, or do I need to keep people apart? And like one wedding, I couldn't ask for the father of the bride, it was, the father came, but the father did not raise her, but he was uh. invited. And so I had to say, can, you know, Bob come up? All right, John, can you come up? I had to be very careful. Little things like that. And yeah. that's very private. And it's very, I mean, it's such an honor to be trusted. That's really good. I think, especially for wedding photos, you you bring up a good point. I know when we had our wedding photos taken, me and my wife, we had a, an awesome girl that is a friend of ours. And one of the things I think that was her greatest strength was her ability to direct everybody and, and know, okay, this person needs to come up now and this person, and, and she knew the dynamics of the relationships that were there. And that's a good point that you bring up that I think maybe gets overlooked or not even thought about until you're in the situation. Like, oh yeah, I have to set up the shot and it's not just pawns. These are people that I'm talking to, well, you know? <laughs> and, and when you've seen it done wrong, when it's yes. gone it's gone south. I've been to weddings. Look, that was the photographer that it's gone south fast and people were upset and your, your heart hurts for them. I mean, but also like graduation, the moms get it. Moms and dads, they get that from this minute on their lives will be changes. And the kids are like, yeah, yeah, I'm great. And they're excited, but they don't understand that this is a crossroads for them. And I cannot tell you how many times we've looked at the senior pictures. We're done. I'm showing the family mom's crying going, it's real now, you know, and like the moms, we get it, you know, the dads, we get it, but the kid doesn't get it. And it, sometimes the images I take aren't important until years later, they become treasures later. I'll take a family shoot. I've got some families I've done several times. And just today, one of my memories popped up and this little girl was like five years old. And now, you know, she's 10 and she's as tall as the mom or whatever. 
it's precious to document these changes and these precious people. So I absolutely love that. That's awesome. So you're such an encouraging voice for photography. I love it. Let's close the door for somebody who maybe shouldn't be a photographer. Talk to me about that. What kind of person might think that they're a fit for this job, but really maybe they should do something else. That's part of the show. I don't want to just say every single job is amazing. I want to say, hey, some of you guys should not be doing this job. Who should not be doing photography as a business? If you're wanting to start out with a steady income and you like the nine to five, this is not the job for you. Um, Most of my shoots are in the evenings and the weekends. That's taking time away from my family. I'm having to spend a lot of money up front, hoping that I get paid later than I'm investing in myself. And so if you're needing a steady income and you want to be off when you're off, this is not the job for you. And if you don't like dealing with people. I think that's probably a huge part of my job. It's just making somebody feel comfortable yeah. and not like, oh, you look terrible. Move your chin this way. Oh, that looks bad. Okay. And I turn, you know, <laughs> you know? Like, okay, let's move forward this way. I'm trying to explain, you know, I, I need you to move your chin forward and this go down and let's try this without sending like, move your arm left, you know, without being bossy and abrasive. I mean, that's a huge part making people feel, no one, nobody likes their picture taken. Very few people are like, yeah, put me for that camera. And so you want to make them feel comfortable and feel beautiful and feel great. And you've got to be careful with your words. And so if you don't have diplomacy and love people, then, you know, there's other jobs that you can have that this would not be for you. But surprising, there are two types of people that are great at this job. One of them I knew would be an extrovert creative. You know, that's me, ADHD off the charts. Let's go. Let's do something fun. Let's go. I am surprised how many people are fantastic at this job that are very mathematical Hmm. because a lot of the technique is there's a thing called the exposure triangle for those who don't know. And it's bouncing three different settings on your camera to get the perfect light. And so I'm like, yeah, that looks good. How about that? And I'll try that. You know, and I can eyeball it pretty good. These math people are like, oh, that needs to be at 180 over, you know, and they've got the numbers down and they, and they're very mathematical at looking at it. Yeah. And a lot of these same people are really great at music because they're looking for patterns and they're looking for the formula that makes it work right. And so some of us are like, yeah, that looks good. Okay. Let's go this way. You know, but the the math people I'm surprised do very, very well because they're very precise. And so that was a surprise to me. That's good. So Charlesy, I, I bet you have one or two of these. Do you have any on the job horror stories, funny stories? Give me one or two. I could go for days on this one. (laughs) Probably my biggest horror story is my biggest heartbreak. The bride had a lot of uh, trauma in her past, and it was just a very emotional day for her. She did not have a wedding planner. She's trying to save money. And I'm like, okay, we need to get dressed now if we're going to have time for pictures, you know, this kind of thing. It was just a rough day. And I had given some instructions and she was an emotional mess and didn't take instruction and then ended up not getting some pictures that she really wanted Mm. and was crushed. And I did not know at the time to say, if you want this picture, then we need to do this or I'm not going to get this picture. And I was just trying to be nice and just captured as I was. And she was devastated. And to this day, she doesn't realize it was because she had painted me in a corner. And mm. I did not have the skills to realize that it could have been avoided. And so one of these, these horror stories, when things don't go as planned, most of them aren't horror stories. Sometimes right. they just don't go as planned. I always leave going, what could I have done to avoid it? Because everything's a problem. And problems are solvable. And so you just got to realize, what can I do to make this better? Instead of just being like, that bride, she was crazy, you know? 
what could I have done to avoid that? Because it's going to be an emotionally charged day. What could I have done to make this better for her? And so it was a tough lesson. It was really, I mean, she's to this day, doesn't speak to me. Wow. And, um, yeah, it was, and she was devastated. It sounds like tactfully being able to stand your ground, not mean, but being able to be very firm. It, it's, it's a hard line to walk when you're there to serve the bride. You're not telling her what to do. But at some point, if you're a wedding photographer, there's a lot of emotional intelligence that needs yeah. to go into that because you know what the end product is going to look like if we do X, Y, and Z and she wants X, Y, and Z, but we're not doing it. Right, doing it. Like, honey, this needs to happen. It needs to happen now or it's not going to happen. Exactly. Is this important to you? I'm asking you right now, you know, and it's hard because on a wedding, especially a wedding, I know you make a hundred million decisions every two seconds. <laughs> and conversely, two weeks ago, I just finished up. I had took a wedding. We were sat down. We talked about the plan. And I was like, okay, what shots would you love to have? And these are the ones I'd like to have. And she's like, I want this, this, and this, and this, and this, share this, this list. I'm like, that sounds great. I said, you didn't give me a lot of time to do that. I usually have this much time I need. And so she's like, well, we can fix that. We can have everybody ready at three instead of four. We'll have more time. I'm like, fantastic. But just know that weddings tend to run really, really late. And if everybody's not on time, then my hands are tied and we're not going to get the shots you want. Now I know to say that. And she's like, yes. oh, no, everybody be ready. Okay, the wedding, we're supposed to have pictures at three. Wedding starts at six. The mother and one of the bridesmaids showed up at 540 with wet hair, no makeup. Oh, no. And the dad showed up at 620. The oh. wedding starts at six. <laughs> and um, it was amazing the difference of people that I work with. And I was like, I'll do what I can. And we'll, we'll have some, we'll make it happen. And I'll do what I can. And she was like, I'm just so glad he made it. And she was so sweet about it. And I'm like, I'll do what I can. And she's like, I know, you, you know. And so she was understanding. But I think a lot of that had to do with us having the conversation. I'd love to have it, but it's got to start here. And I've got to have this. And so she was very gracious about it. I think grace always wins. I think that goes both ways. Yes. Um, and she was very sweet about it. But I know that's not what she wanted. But I said, at the end of the day, if you walk away married, everything else is just a bonus. So... So we've talked a lot. It just kind of seems to keep on coming up that you do a lot of weddings. Obviously, we do a lot of family stuff. I'm sure people probably wonder, where would you say the money is if, if they're wanting to, okay, I, I want to do this full time. I want to make as much as I can. What would you suggest that they go into? Would it be wedding photography? Would it be something else? What other opportunities are there? Absolutely. I think weddings are the way to make money. It's a lot of stress and it's long days and it's your weekends. But that's if, if I were to go, I'm going to invest in and treat this as a full-time job and go back in time. Weddings are the way to do it. But you need to have almost always a second shooter. A lot of times it's great if the husband learns photography too, or the, or the other spouse is your second shooter because you're working together and that's fantastic. And it's getting into videography. If you can either work well with someone that does that, mm -hmm. uh, but wedding photography is definitely the, the most profitable way to make money. Yeah. Any others, or is it hard to make a full-time income doing other types of photography exclusively? It's very difficult to do that and have a family life. 
I know there's a lot of people that do, you know, they'll fly off for Nat Geo and they'll be in, you know, Zimbabwe for two months. Yeah. <laughs> now, if, if you're open to that kind of lifestyle, that's great. Um, sports photographers, a lot of people, and they tend to work in LA and Dallas, these bigger places where the, the high dollar athletes are, but not necessarily. And there's another um, little niche that's really um, fantastic. Sue Bryce is the queen of this. She has a little studio and it, she hires a makeup photographer, or I'm sorry, a makeup person, a hair person. And she has like this wardrobe of glamorous clothes and her, and it's very glamour and gorgeous, but it's very high end. I'm in Lilla Wise County and that, and it's not something I want to do. I'm not a girly girl. I want to be out, you know, the pastures and all these sorts of things. But if that's something you love, if you love it anyway, if you love sports, then, you know, shooting, you know, the Dallas Cowboys might be your dream come true. I'd rather someone poke me in the eye than go shoot a football game. But some people, <laughs> that's, that's their dream. Oh, yeah. So, so if you can combine, you know, photography and your greatest love, like I just love people. I love people and I love the kids and all that. So I've combined two of my greatest things. Um, if you can combine you know, your love for the great outdoors or you combine your love of fashion, because if you don't have a passion for it, then it's going to be tough. Definitely. And it's kind of like acting, you know, what's the price range of an actor? Well, there's a lot of people making zero money doing community theater that are phenomenal actors. And there's a lot of people making big, big bucks fighting the paparazzi. And so how to get there is a lot of hard work and sacrifice and a dash of luck and blessings that go with it. So there's not a direct path. But if you work full time and you keep your nose to the grindstone and you work really hard, you can make a living and it averages anywhere from thirty five dollars to $75,000 a year if you work full time, but it's not going to be nine to five. Yeah, that makes sense. So Charlesy, before I ask my final question, did we miss anything? Is there something we should have talked more about or that just general things that you can think of? Probably the most important part that I would love to push to people is that it's more than taking pictures. It's running a business. So any kind of entrepreneur book is going to help you. Entrepreneur podcast, you're going to run your own business. How to do the numbers is very important. How to do social media. It could be a full-time job. And so if you, you can either spend a lot of money outsourcing it, you can spend money outsourcing your photoshopping. And you can outsource all of this, but then it's going to cost. And so you're going to have to make a decision on how much time you're willing to give to your family, how much money you're going to invest, what are your goals, and, and does it align with your values? How much time you want to spend away from your family? And when I first started, I was really, really needed at home. We had a lot of home situations going on, and I couldn't spend the time that I wanted to. When I first started out my adult life, I wanted to be a school teacher. I have a degree in school teaching. That was what I wanted to do. And we had some crazy things happen in our family um, that took me out of the classroom. And we moved a bunch of times. And just one of my passions grew into a job. And I feel very blessed to do it. And then now it's kind of dovetailed into now I'm teaching photography. And it's so funny. I feel like the story of Joseph where you feel like you have a calling when you're young and all these crazy hard things in life happen, then now it's kind of come full circle. And looking back, I'm like, I got to where I wanted to be in the first place, but it did not happen the way I thought. You took a totally different path to get there. That's awesome. And so I spent my whole life going, what's going on? And then now here, I feel like I learned so much from every step yeah. that I feel like it's made me really great at what I do. 
That's good perspective. Yeah. I've lived that life too. I could fill up many podcasts with how I am where I am right now. And you know, it's not what you expect when you're a kid, but it's, it's good. Um, real quick, Charles, there was actually one more question that I meant to ask you before. Do you use Adobe Photoshop? What editing tools do you use? Is that the primary bread and butter? Is there anything else? I mostly use um, Adobe Lightroom. Okay. I don't get into Photoshop as much, but I did have some about one of my funniest stories is I did have a family shoot out in a pasture and it was their family land. They wanted it there. It's been there for three generations. And this giant longhorn wanders in behind the shoot. And the way its head was, it turned. And it was like, mom, dad, all the faces. And then this cow looked like it, it was, was perfect. <laughs> and so they got that shot. And then I had then I had to Photoshop the cow the cow out because it really wasn't part of the family. But that was one of my funniest stories ever is the cow that wandered into the Photoshop. It was hilarious. Definitely. I, I feel like you should have probably left that in, but maybe they wouldn't have appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, Charles, final question. This is what I always like to ask at the very end. You've kind of touched on it a little bit, so maybe we've covered it, but what's the best practical advice you would give to someone who wants to do what you do? Like the very next steps, any resources you would point them to, courses, what would be the next step in terms of pursuing photography as a career? Not sounding like I'm prompting my own self. I actually am writing a course because I felt like it was just so frustrating that I couldn't find exactly what I needed for being a photographer. So if you go to my website, photographybycharlesley.com, look on the right-hand side and drop down. And within a couple of weeks, it'll have a wait list available. And then I'm starting a course that includes video classes, but there's a live question and answer. So you can actually ask questions. And then awesome. I've made a I've made a workbook. So whenever after the class is finished, you don't have to like, what did she say aperture is? You, know, you can actually go back and review it. And um, I'm going to have some shot lists for you to practice to further your career. But there's lots of available stuff, kind of depending on your skill level. And I always say, you know, find a photographer and hang out with them. Hey, I am cheap. Buy me a taco. I love to give to other people. And I think most photographers do. There's photo walks. Um, like I love vacations. I love traveling. And I always photograph wherever I go. So if, like I went to Washington, D.C. They have they have professional photographers that know that area that you can learn. Like I don't do a lot of night photography. And you can do the monuments by night. You can go to Santa Fe and they've got workshops there. And so you can kind of double up and do, you know, while you travel. There's just so many things to do. Photo walks. If you go into Dallas and Fort Worth, if you look, there's photo walks, just a bunch of photographers walking around together, sharing their knowledge. And it's just great. There's so many Facebook groups and so many places to build a community. But that's the whole thing is build a community and find people that are like-minded. Good. I feel like that was several really good tips all in a row. So if you if you zoned out for a second, go back and listen to that if you're interested in photography, because I feel like that kind of sums it all up right there. So Charles Lee, thank you so much for saying yes to this. And I, I really enjoyed, I feel like I learned a lot and I'm excited to release this episode. And I have to say, I have to like prop you back up, go back and listen. Is it Vic? I can't remember yeah. the voice actor. Vic Mignogna. Yeah, I, I don't do voice acting, but he had some great advice for anybody that was like an entrepreneur kind of creative. Go back and listen to that episode. I was going, yes, yes, yes. He's right. Do that. <laughs> that was a great episode. Awesome. Thank you, Charles Z. We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the What's That Job Like podcast. Two quick things. One, please subscribe and review the show. It takes less than a minute and it does a ton to help. Two, I would love your feedback. Is there a certain career you want to hear from, a question you'd like me to ask my guests, or anything else? Let me know. My email is jameson at whatsthatjoblike.com. 
Again, that's J-A-M-E-S-O-N at whatsthatjoblike.com. That is also where you can email me if you are interested in being a guest on my show. I am rapidly trying to get hundreds of interviews because I think that's how this whole project will come together and help as many people as possible. So again, please subscribe, and I'll catch you next time. Thank you.